You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets. We're back. Your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Search your podcast app for Locked On to get podcasts. On the NBA, the NFL, and fantasy sports, I'm Doug Branson. I cover the team for FanRagSports.com. I'm joined by the panel, just dropping in via video, via the internet, via some kind of satellite, I'm sure, somewhere from the mean streets of Cotswold. He's been covering the Hornets since they were the Bob Kitties for AtTheHive.com. The man, the myth, the legend, David Walker. None of this would have been possible when the Bobcats are around, guys. We're it's podcasts true. a thing. We're, you did a podcast, mm. right? So technically, yeah, right. The, yeah. At the at the tail end of the Bobcats, we were podcasting. But when the Bob probably two thousand five, RIP. Uh, somebody just started a podcats podcast. I see, like I a good. popular one. No, about, no, it, it's about well, cats. No, I don't believe you. Uh, well, it's true. It's about the Bobcats. Well, no, it wasn't about the Bobcat. Oh, no, it's, yeah. it's about something. I th- oh, it's uh, Mark Marin. It, it's uh, it's part of his whole stable. Yeah. He's just started a podcast because, you know, one of his big deals is the cats. Anyway, we could talk about podcasts all day long. <laughs> we're, we're back. We missed uh, yesterday because basically, listen, I, I didn't really – like I watched the Super Bowl. I had a good time at my party. Not not like an, a, a crazy good time. Like I was, you know, in need of of a day off. But at the same time, David, I woke up that morning – and my body just said, you need to lay down for another two hours. And I think when your body says that, you you got to listen to it. You got to go, okay, yeah. body, I hear you. And and so we didn't do a show yesterday. So I apologize to the listeners out there who are waiting for our, our analysis. We're going to get to it uh, right now. But listen, when your body yells at you to, to, to take a chill pill, because I feel like my body was saying, hey, if you, if you get up and, and do a show – and go about your normal routine today, you will be sick for the entire week. Like, you are going, I'm going to kill you. Mm. And I said, okay, body, calm down. That's it's strong language. You're a wonderland. I will listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also joined uh, to my right in studio by the great uh, Steve Bob Forrest. Steve Bob. The only one of us that has his own drop. Yeah. Yeah, you just got to make one. You made yourself. it. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. You made your own drop. That's how you get a drop on the show. You make your own drop. Wasn't sure I was going to get that drop though. I thought we were just getting body talk all day. Some uh, some body boys. I just wanted to. I just wanted to share my journey. This is yeah. part part of this is my journey, and I'm sharing it. I thought you <laughs> you seemed in like great spirits yesterday morning. Because I slept for an extra two hours. So you're because bla- we didn't do a show. So you're blaming the Dugaholics for this wear and tear on your body. Is what you're saying? No, uh-huh. no listen, I love. That's what I heard. I, no, I love doing what I do. I just think you have to, you know, especially now. Listen, the Hornets aren't getting any rest. Uh, people are blaming that for why they lost against the Nuggets. We'll talk about that in a few moments. Nice segue. Uh, thank to you. To a future thing. <laughs> thank you. That's not right now. But before we talk about Denver, we gotta we gotta rewind and kind of recap all of these games very quickly. So let's head all the way back to Friday. By the way, welcome everyone on the chat. We're live on YouTube right now. YouTube.com forward slash locked on Hornets. Welcome into the nest. We've got Jeremy, quote, Daniel Lamont. Thank you guys for joining us here live, chatting with us. So we will uh, we'll, we'll hit the chat here in a few minutes. But first, let's go all the way back to Friday. Hornets get a big win over the Indiana Pacers. What does that say? I can't Don't see worry it. about it. All right. 
They get a big win over the Indiana Pacers, set a record for points in a quarter in that first quarter, 49 points. Uh, but then nobody nobody could miss in that first quarter. What were your takeaways uh, from that game, David? Uh, again, a, a win over a, a good Pacers team. Yeah, NBA season high, Doug. That means no one else in the NBA this year has scored that many points in the first quarter. Kind of, um, what's the right word? I'm thinking insane if you think about that the Hornets were the team uh, to set such a record. But pretty fun game uh, if you're a Hornets fan. The big thing for me in that one, I had a tough time just picking one because I thought both these guys were really awesome. But Batum was uh, fantastic in this game. 31 points on 11 of 18 shooting. You know, he was – I would say that's probably his best game of the season. Um, I don't think he's going to score 31 points every night. History tells us that he won't. But over his last five games, 50% from the field, 46% from three, 20 points and six rebounds over those five games, Doug. So really kind of rounding into form, maybe getting healthy. Well, getting healthy and also after the game, he's crediting head coach Steve Clifford's return, says Clifford. And he mentioned this before Clifford's return as well, that Steve knows him, knows his game, respects his game. And I think part of it, too, is that Clifford likes to get Nick Batum involved early. That wasn't always the case. You you didn't see that as much when Clifford left. The focus, I, I think, was more on heavy Kimball Walker pick and roll and and heavy Dwight Howard post play. And I think Nick Batum for certain games, I look back at that Dallas game as sort of the 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 tipping point where Nick Batum said, you know, and essentially did not say this word for word, but his attitude was was one of enough is enough. Like I, I need to be involved in this game. And and I think you're seeing now the fruits of Steve Clifford's return on Nick Batum's game because he's continued uh, to play well uh, since since he's been back, uh, I, w- I want to go to Dwight Howard in this game. Finished six of eight from the field, thirty-one minutes, twelve points, eleven rebounds. A little bit of a pedestrian game for Dwight Howard, who has been a significant factor offensively for this team. Now, on this show, we've been battling some uh, Dwight Howard hate out there. That it's it's been a little bit in the minority. I think most fans have seen Dwight Howard's impact on this team, but. Uh, we've we've been defending Dwight a little bit, but before the fourth quarter against the Pacers, I thought he was a little bit indefensible. He he did sort of show some of those qualities that people are criticizing him for. He was slow. He was indecisive. He was disinterested on defense, and that sort of cropped up again. He wasn't the only one against Denver that was indecisive and disinterested defensively against Denver, but he was one of the players at times that uh, was not being as active as he could be on that end. And he wasn't screening well on offense. I mean, this was uh, the the bad Dwight. He played better in the fourth quarter against the Pacers, made a few key defensive plays that helped seal the deal for the team. I thought it was an important win for the Hornets because it started a streak, number one. They need that. And it was a game against a team they wanted to get into the conversation with in terms of the playoffs. And and they took that game seriously. They, They did let the Pacers crawl back into that game but uh, they took it seriously, and I think that was a big deal. Now, the Hornets traveled to Phoenix for an afternoon game on Super Bowl Sunday. They were looking for three in a row. Phoenix, without one of their best players in Marquise Chris, uh, who was benched, uh, seemed like for some kind of um, disciplinary action, wasn't injured yeah. or anything, Marquise Chris just not playing. Hornets had to dig this one out after letting the Suns score at will in the first half, and their offense they were not scoring 49 points in the in the first quarter. 
So they had to dig this one out. The defense began to make a few plays at the end of the third, and then uh, the bench, really, in the beginning of that fourth, helped seal the deal for the Hornets. The They held the Suns to 16 points in the fourth quarter. They get a 115-110 win. What did you see out of this one? Yeah, for me, it was the it was the bench and Lamb and Trevion Graham, especially in the fourth. You mentioned holding the Suns to that 16 points. Only uh, Josh Jackson, you know, really scored for the Suns in that fourth quarter. Three other guys had had one field goal that they made, but other than that, it was it was all Josh Josh Jackson and the defense from the bench unit really turned it around. Forced seven Phoenix turnovers in the fourth quarter. Um, so I mean, that's a recipe for a Charlotte win right there. And, you know, the Suns have a lot of young talent. I mean, they've, they've been up in this draft, uh, in the drafting process high, seem to get all these young guys every year. Um, but but they haven't really come together, you know. I mean, it's not a good team. Uh, so that was good for the Hornets to come out there and, and crawl back into that game. Would have been pretty disheartening after the, the solid Pacers game, even though, Doug, early start. West Coast game. I don't believe in it. That's voodoo. <laughs> That's voodoo talk. I don't believe in that stuff. Time's a flat circle. <laughs> Time is a flat circle. And travel right. is a flat circle. And the earth is a flat circle. Uh, we're going to get to That's... some things that I don't believe when we get to the Denver conversation. <laughs> I want to go to the chat real quick. Danny on the chat's uh, re- referencing my early conversation about my my body not want to cooperate with me yesterday. He said, is that code for I stayed up too late watching the new Cloverfield movie after the Super Bowl? Let me Good just call. say... No, that's not it. But at the same time, that Cloverfield movie looks awesome, even though the apparently the Getting studios destroyed. It really? is. The last one yeah. was amazing. Oh, the so the, John the reviews are in already. Well, you know, the Twitter reviews. So oh, well, get out God, here. Come on. I want to I will be the judge of of how good this Cloverfield movie is. But I want to see it. I thought some of the best things on Super Bowl Sunday in terms of commercials were the the previews. You had the Avengers preview. Which I'm not a big yeah. fan of of uh, superhero movies, but that you know it's going to get to the point with these superhero movies where there's only room for one scene per star. Yeah, like you get one. That's it. Yeah, it's uh, don't get me started <laughs> on Avengers. There's too many. But now the Westworld. David, are you a Westworld uh, guy? Are we are we Westworld buddies? We haven't talked oh, about I'm not, this. I'm not on your level. We've talked about it. Man, how, I'm how the guy that like scours change. the Reddit and stays up yeah. way too now talk about staying up way too late. That's me trying to solve the Westworld puzzle. So the Westworld season two preview. Whew. It's like, but the young guy is the old guy. There you go. There's the spoiler shows. alert for Ooh, season spoiler. one. But that's well, there's a bunch has, of young guys and old guys, so that's not gonna have anything also, to do. With. There's also, literally like eight old guys and eight <laughs> young guys. That's true. And hey, they're all the same. Quick, guys, as long as we're talking TV and tube here, did anyone else have trouble tuning into the Suns game to start? Because I was out at an establishment, asked them to turn the game on, and the Hurricanes uh, came on the screen. The, the Carolina Hurricanes, they're their professional hockey. Well, team. the problem is, now playing. was that Fox Sports South? Or was that Fox Sports? See, that's what I'm saying. There's a little bit of that's the confusion. You have to really here's if you go to a bar, you really need to have like a piece of paper in your wallet that has the the channel listings for both cable and satellite. Oh yeah, they'll straight tell them they'll act like they have no idea. Right, because there's Fox Sports South and Fox Sports Southeast. The Hornets are on Fox Sports Southeast. The Hurricanes are normally on Fox Sports South. That's way too confusing. Hopefully, now that Disney has bought this. The, the regionals, they'll clean all of this up. And we let's. We went to both. Well, and it, the guide said Hornets, the screen shown Hurricanes. But I found it later. So I saw, I saw the game. It's all good. It's a good story. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, the, just a, a Steve's peeve right here. Well, you'll go to a sports Steve's bar. Steve's peeve. Steve's peeve. It's a Steve's peeve. Sometimes you don't have to make the drop. Doug will do it with his it. mouth if, <laughs> if inspiration strikes. Um, I don't like when you go to a bar. This happened a lot like in other states mm-hmm. where uh, they have the package, right? And you'll be like, yeah, Hornets, Suns, please. Oh, the NBA, mm-hmm. like league right. pass. Yeah. So they're not like going by Fox Sports South because they don't know what that is anyways. Right. And they're like, oh, yeah. I don't, we don't get that. I'm like, yeah, you get like the 30 NBA channels that's in there. And they're like, well, where's that? And I'm like, well, go to the block what where the 30 Horn- NBA that's channels That's not a real are. NBA team. And then, they, and then they're like, oh, yeah, here they are. And then they're just still like, which one is it? You're like, the Hornets one. And then they don't know that the NBA is part of the NBA package. That's a Steve's peeve right there. I'm Steve's peeve. It's a Steve's peeve. It's a Steve's peeve. I I'm honestly with you mm-hmm. because I have this I have a peeve as well Ooh, that a, a bug and it Doug. Go, well it goes along uh, uh, yeah it's what's bug and Doug it goes along the same line there are sports bars in Charlotte and and yeah. the reason that they exist is to be a bar for sports right That's it. have no idea right. how to work the TV what are those have no idea how to work the remotes oh, and you'll no. ask a bartender you'll say can I get that channel changed they have to go through three levels of management. Yes. Yeah. And, and two pieces of paper that need to be signed mm-hmm. and sent to the notary for stamping yep. to get a channel change. Going to need a witness for that. We, we need to start a movement, I feel like, Doug. We need a hashtag or something for when you go into a bar and you have to hashtag turn it to the Hornets or something like that because it's constant. It's well, listen, if the Horn- the, the listen you, want, you want to watch Hornets out, then the Hornets need to make the playoffs and win a couple of series. That's my thing. Like okay, people well, that, people then, that then complain. Movement, movement denied. Yeah, well, people <laughs> that complain about, listen, it's all on the Hornets. If the Hornets want to be popular in the city of Charlotte, then they got to win. I mean, that's just Balls bottom in line. Your court, Hornets. I had to but, do that but, in uh, in New York City a few times and it was super embarrassing. People just straight up <laughs> like, is that, a, they're like, do you mean the Bobcats? I'm like, no, I don't. We haven't been them in four years, but po- point noted, we are um, bad. <laughs> I, w- I want to start a sports bar. Let's all pool our money together, start a sports bar, and we hang a big sign that says, we know how to work our TVs. Ooh, this is going like to be a it. sitcom. The t-shirts are going to be great. This is pretty much how people start bars. It's three buddies, and they're like, we should do that, and then it's just another crappy bar. But we could be different. I want to get back to this Suns game. We gotta, we gotta get back to basketball. All right, but People let's think are, about the bar. I like it. I like it. I want to do this. <laughs> if this pod doesn't work, if then this we'll, particular podcast doesn't then work, we'll, out, then we'll go to the bar. This is all on this one. We will be a bar tomorrow. Big news from this Suns game: Kimball Walker breaking the franchise record for three pointers made in the Hornets' history, and Dell Curry. He broke Dell Curry's record, and Dell had to watch it happen in slow motion. David, we've been talking about this. And 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 he had to do it while Kimba, he had a terrible but volume three point shooting night. I believe it was two for two for ten, two for eleven from the from the arc. And uh, Eric Collins was pulling out every fact he had about it. Now listen, <laughs> I know, listen, Del Curry's a good guy. Del Curry's a great guy, fun guy, best. And and he's been very good about you know records are made to be broken. Couldn't have couldn't be a better guy to break my record and Kimball Walker, what he's meant to this franchise. Dale Curry is a statesman for the franchise. But at the same time, on a human level, he has to sit there and watch all of his all of his life's work fall. Well. Succumb to <laughs> su- succumb to another. Again, I think he understands it. I'm not saying he doesn't understand it. What I'm saying is he is a human being. And and as human beings, we don't like to see when that thing you you have to you have to deal with that, and and he has to deal with it on television with Eric Collins throwing every fact he can at him. 
Uh, it's got to be stressful. Yeah, yeah. I would say he's all right based on the fact that he is Steph Curry's dad. That's like, what's better? What would be better than having, like, just follow me on this. You got a, you got a okay. record for the Hornets. Mm-hmm. You know, you are the sixth man. See, hey, I that's think cool. being Steph's You're also, dad. You also have a walking record. You just have a living record. Just He's just shattering everything. He's like the best. He changed the way the game is played. And you're like, yeah, I made that. I made that dude. I made that whole person. I'm listen. Of course, he's. I'm sure he's proud of his of his son. Feel like you think he's not proud of his son? I'm no, but he has his own legacy. We're still we still love our own legacy. He's married to Sonia. I mean, David, you're you're a dad. Give us some dad insight here. As your as your kids grow older, if they were to go into your field of profession and do something that's (laughs) that's way better than you, how would you deal with that? First of all, very achievable guys. So uh, <laughs> <that's one. laughs> they haven't done anything on the Steph Curry level yet. So I'm a bit worried right. um, <laughs> at four and two. I need to see some signs of something. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty insane though, because you got Eric Collins over there. You're right, Doug. He's yelling out every time it gets closer <laughs> and closer and closer. And it was great. Cause on the last one, on the record breaking shot, Eric is, is, is going nuts. And Dell, it was it was a look of like he's looking like was that a three? I just I'm just saying, can we review it? I'm just let's make it a fit. Yeah. Where were his he's feet? He's trying to hold on yeah. just a little longer. <laughs> well, and what if he had gotten traded? You know what? How would Dell have taken that? He'd been like, oh man, that's uh too bad. Hmm. Where do you think the rumors came from? Huh? <laughs> I do have to say, you said it, he had to watch it in slow mo. If you think about that, I mean, literally the whole time. Mm-hmm. At some point, you're like, oh, this guy's he's pretty good. Hitting some threes. Not a three-point shooter per se. Just, you know, he's a scorer. Yeah. And then each Even year, Kimba was surprised by it. Kimba's saying he could not have imagined doing this uh, his rookie season because he wasn't really known for being a long-range shooter. To that point, though, I mean, it's, I, it's just modern NBA. Like, that. all those three-point records are going to fall for everybody yeah. at some point. If Like, yeah. that Steph it was on the team, he could have done it in, what, two years? Again, Dale Curry is a smart guy. He's a smart basketball guy. He gets it. He understands why his record is falling. But again, this is not about logic. This is about emotion. This mm-hmm. is about Dale Curry watching – something that has stood for so long amongst this franchise fall. And I think, again, in a a deep place, maybe it's not so deep. It's just a place that he can't talk about on television because he's a statesman. I think he has to. If it were me, I would just put myself in his place. Again, there would be a part of me that went, damn it. Mm Mm-hmm. I think it's very yeah, he, like like Steve said he probably saw it coming right like you said he's been watching it in slow motion of so course of course guy. he did but it doesn't make it yeah. hurt any less all right anyway but he's yeah, been a great guy about it that's what if the cool it, thing what if it like really that was he, awesome what if he really couldn't control it? he just ran out on the floor and he just tackled, tackled him no <laughs> I'm cool threw his headset down I'm cool sorry uh, can we talk hey, about Trevion also, Graham for a second David oh yeah. yeah 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 best game of the year against. Phoenix was as big a part of that win as anyone. Kimball Walker, Nick Batum, Dwight Howard. I mean, Trevion Graham, so excellent in this game. Six of 10, 15 points, four rebounds, two steals, had the go ahead three in the fourth quarter. Physical defense the entire game. Steve Clifford said he could count six games that Graham was a big part of this season in terms of winning that game, winning those games, which is a huge jump from two years ago when he was a G League guy. And last season when he was. I think a really good practice player, a guy you could put in for a game or two uh, to, and, and hold the fort, essentially, hold serve. But this season, 
he has started to become an impact player. And we saw we started to see the seeds of this in summer league before he got injured, where where he was extremely aggressive in Orlando, looking to score, knocking down shots. He's worked a ton with the shooting coaches in Charlotte. And we talk a lot about Charlotte not being able to develop players. But I think Jeremy Lamb and Trevion Graham, both two players that are starting to to turn that narrative around a little bit, where they've taken these two guys and turned them, uh, and and a lot of it is on them, of course, as well. You know, putting in the hard work. But you got two players that are, that are going to, especially Trevion Graham. I don't think the Hornets are going to be able to afford to keep him. He's going to go somewhere else and, that, and start to form his NBA career. That is perfectly frustrating Hornets right there because you're right. I mean, Jeremy Lamb to some extent, although he's taken a little bit long, like Graham's is, is the type of guy you talk about when you're talking about developing players in house, because he's, it's happened on a, on a fairly, on a relatively normal timeline, like two yep. seasons is what you kind of expect to see a guy show some promise. Lamb's been with us for a long time and he's, he's having a good season, but Graham it's, it's so uh, frustrating that that's happening with him right now. And you could see it all season, and you're like, during this frustrating season, you got one guy who's showing some promise that's homegrown, that, that he's developing into a guy. We're cap-locked. We can't make any trades, but we're, we're bringing a guy along, and we're not going to be able to keep him. I find that impossible to believe. He makes no money right now, and we can't afford to just pay him a little bit of money. No, we're going to get to that uh, point in just a second when we talk about the trade deadline. I'll tell you how capped, locked, cap-locked the Hornets actually are. Uh, great point here on the chat, because we were talking, David, we were talking about your sons uh, someday competing with you, but we, sure. we, we forgot That's the right. fact, and, and Keith brings it up here on the chat, that David, you're also the son of a Charlotte legend. Let us not forget that. Your dad, bro- broadcasting legend, Channel Nine anchor, Bill Walker, and so uh, do you, does your dad ever hear the footsteps with you on this show? <laughs> oh, of course. Are you kidding me? He might come out of retirement. <laughs> he used to put me to bed at night. I remember it like it was yesterday. He said, "One day you will have a Hornets only <laughs> podcast. You will talk on a computer, and people will hear you via the internet." I was like dad the old man's losing this, it this sounds amazing so <laughs> shout out to shout out to dad oh okay let's take a short break we'll come back we'll talk about denver we'll talk about uh, trade deadline you're listening you're watching locked on hornets here on the locked on podcast network you are listening to the locked on hornets podcast think about that if they won 15 games if they win 15 and 0 they'd be a lot better <laughs> Wait, hold on. Breaking news. Yeah. Breaking news. Pull that sound bite. You know I wasn't about to try to do some math. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. All right, Hornets traveled to Denver, second night of a back-to-back. So they were in Phoenix, and uh, then they went to Denver. It's a West Coast road trip, but it's a back-to-back as well. That's going to be tough. Everyone wants to talk about the altitude. Uh, so this is the first, actually, of two West Coast traveling back-to-backs the Hornets have this week. Denver came out firing from three. Gary Harris, five triples in the first quarter. Denver with seven total triples in the first quarter. Hornets had nothing defensively at the beginning of this game. Nuggets were beating them on the boards. They were beating them over and over with the Jokic pick-and-roll and was just straight penetration. I mean, guys were... It was just one-on-one defense and players like Harris and Jamal Murray getting into the paint, kicking out, 
uh, and, and finding open three-point shooters, and they were knocking them down. Hell, Darrell Arthur was knocking down three-point shots. That guy hasn't been hitting threes all year, so this was just a feast for the Denver Nuggets, the Hornets' defense continuing uh, to fall flat on them, and they can't they can't get the offense and the defense playing well on the same night. David, uh, the Hornets lose to the Nuggets, ending their three-game winning streak. What did you see in this one? Yeah, one of these trends that you don't like coming out of this little stretch here is the shooting they've allowed from opponents. Opponents over the last five games shooting better than 50% of the field, including in this one. And it was just too much nuggets from everywhere. Uh, you know, like you said, everyone, anyone who was everyone was hitting a three. Um, Moutier came in there, hit some big shots later on when the Hornets were making a little push. And anytime the Charlotte made a run, it, it, it just wasn't close enough and they couldn't stop guys on the other end. I mean, that's the tough thing, Doug, because they're supposed to be able to hang their hat on defense. Uh, and when they can't and they face a team like this, they don't have the firepower on the other, on the other end, night in and night out, to keep up. Yeah, look, they, they kept running that Jokic pick and roll over and over, and Dwight was sinking way back into the paint, and they either weren't switching or Dwight wasn't stepping up far enough or they just weren't communicating. I mean, and, and Steve Clifford, after the game, basically called out the players that they have paid to be defenders were not defending. And, and he says... Uh, he basically uh, called this game essentially a, a litmus test. Like this is a game that if you know you want to get back into contention, you you tough this one out, you win this game. They did that against Phoenix, where they had to come back right. against the Suns. And, and and look, different team. You call this well, different team. Yeah, they're listen. They're a winning basketball team. They're out on the West yeah. Coast. They've got good talent. Okay, but that's fine. But I think that the Hornets have to prove that they can string four or five together because that's the math. That's what they have to do uh, to to get back into playoff contention. They now sit at 23-30, and 30, 10th place in the East, three and a half games back of Philadelphia and Detroit, who are both riding the uh, 500 fence. But I think I throw – listen, I throw back-to-back. I throw fatigue. I throw altitude completely out the window in this game. And, and do you know why, David? Because they didn't even come out – with energy. Like, I'll buy your schedule loss. I will accept your schedule loss logic. If the Hornets had come out with the right attitude and the right intensity on defense and then lost steam as the game went on. But that is not what happened. Like, they just look lethargic and uninterested on defense at the very beginning of this game as the Denver Nuggets continued to lob up three-point shots and get rebounds. Like I said, there was one point... This was later on in the game. This wasn't first quarter, but there was it was second quarter because I said it was a story of the first half on Twitter where Jamal Murray was in the corner and Jokic tosses up a bad shot. Jamal Murray co- goes in a group of three Hornets players, including Frank Kaminsky, who is seven feet tall, for God's sakes, and snatches a rebound. This wasn't a long rebound where you go, well, okay, you know, those those tend to go to the guards, those wild rebounds. This was a rebound that the Hornets absolutely should have had three of them. Couldn't come down with it. Jamal Murray kicks, uh, I believe, to Gary Harris for another three-point shot that goes in. And and there was there were late closeouts by MKG. Again, I didn't think Dwight Howard played particularly well defensively despite a good offensive game. I mean, these are it was just disappointing because again we've said this all season david you know this these were the moments that are like okay like this is when urgency should start to hit and it's and it just seems like it's not hitting and we're 2 days away from the trade deadline 
Right. And Steve, MKG was a guy I was looking at last night, did not have a good offensive game, which is, you know, you kind of come to expect that. Although over the last little stretch here, I had commented how well he had been effective on offense. Like he's never going to be the guy you go to, but in this one, only two points, only three field goal attempts. Doesn't seem like he's getting in transition uh, maybe as much as he would like. And only three rebounds to your point, Doug. I mean, he, he is always tasked with guarding these wing guys. And when you got multiple of them, like, like Denver does, they can just give him fits at times. And, and no one was able to stop anyone last night, but he just wasn't really a big part of what they were doing. All right, we're, this is going to be an extra long episode because we missed yesterday because we're 30 minutes in and, and I'm just now getting to the trade deadline stuff that I want to talk to. So buckle in. If you want to hear some trade deadline talk, we're going to get to it right now. We are two days away from the trade deadline. We need to answer some questions because things start to get serious now. Ridiculous offers become reasonable offers. Suddenly a team that wasn't interested in a player at all is now listening. You've got Cleveland desperate could they make a deal? You've got a lot of teams desperate at this point to try to get back into playoff contention or to get into championship contending position. Detroit made a move, loosened up the pipes a little bit. It's getting serious. So first question we have to answer is, what what is the situation the Hornets find themselves in right now? They are on the outside of the playoff picture looking in. Uh, I think this, honestly, the situation completely changed after that Denver game because now I'm thinking like, what is this team even prepared to make the playoffs? You know, they, they started to get on the three game win streak. Could they have turned that into a five, six game win streak going into this break and have a chance? Now, the situation may have completely changed now, David. They're not technically out of playoff contention, but what's what, what, are, what are the Hornets right now to you? You mean, are they trying to get into the playoffs? Or well, are, 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 are they, they are, would you to... still say that they are playoff? That, that they could be oh, in playoff God. contention. Mathematically, yeah. But I think I also think like they're just getting Cody back. We haven't really seen how that whole thing is going to mesh. Marvin's out right now. But, I mean, they are what they are. When they're fully healthy, we think they can be effective. We just haven't seen that yet. We really don't know how Zeller is going to play, being a big part of that bench unit, and playing with the starters unit, playing in there when, when Dwight's out a little bit. So, it's getting late in the game to still be figuring stuff out, though. I mean, that's the problem. And they are capped completely to hell at this point. They have $117 million in contracts for this season. The luxury tax apron is at $119 million. Amazingly, the Hornets will have $116 million, so only $1 million less in contracts next season, and that's before – a first-round draft pick comes in. That's usually two to two and a half million, depending on where you are, and that's after Michael Carter Williams, Johnny O'Brien, and Trevion Graham all drop off the payroll. All three have been major rotation pieces for the Charlotte Hornets this season, and would have to be replaced in some fashion. Now, the luxury tax apron is only expected to rise two million dollars, and I just told you that that first-round pick is going to come, you know, anywhere from like one and a half million, two million, two and a half million, depending on where they're drafted. So the, if you take your first round pick and you keep it, you've you've already spent nearly the money that you're going to have at that point. They have zero flexibility unless Michael Jordan feels like paying the tax for a team that can't decide if it wants to make the playoffs until after January. They've been that team for several years. Let's just say that too. Despite the success that they had two seasons ago, 
They've been a team that can't decide whether they want to make the playoffs or not until after January. That's just a reality. Yeah, and just go back through and look at how many times we've had a pick in the late lottery, late mid lottery, like eight to thirteen range. I mean, it's it seems like every single year we're right in that range where we're we can make be make playoffs or maybe get that pick, that tenth pick. And that's exactly where we are right now. It's really, really, really hard to get out of there. That's the problem with the team being just okay and, and making all these win-now moves. When you're swinging for a win-now move, that's not a good position to be in. You know, you, you need to be making that move when you're pretty much already locked in the playoffs. We're kind of like in the same position as a team like Portland. That, I think that's what yeah. we, that would be our, our ceiling that we were shooting for, which would be respectable for, for this team. I think if we were making the playoffs every year and we had a fun squad, and that's that's kind of what you do when you shoot, shoot the moon. That, that team is also looking at, the same problem and they're doing well and they're making the playoffs and they're like what are we how how do we move past this hump you know so yeah. that that just shows you the other side of it yeah david the big question is can they make a win now move are they even with the contracts that they have with the players that they have in terms of desirability in terms of ability to be moved can they even make a move that would be considered win now i mean i think an upgrade at the backup point guard position would be a move that would help them. But like you said, who's going to take some of these other contracts? I think some of the names that are still going to be out there until Thursday are, you know, Marvin Williams, Jeremy Lamb was mentioned earlier on, but like Lamb is a guy who's on a good contract who they've developed here. And what are they going to do? Bring in somebody who's going to be here for the short term that may call They can't bring on any more money. So they are really kind of stuck in where they are. I mean, I think all these moves are fine. Uh, like it's fine to be the team that makes the playoffs every year. They haven't. The problem is they haven't done that. Right. And like I think the construction of this was well intentioned. It's just that so many of these things did not work out. Batum hasn't played up to his ability all the whole time, and they've maxed out these other guys. They had three of those guys that hit the jackpot in that offseason with Batum and Marvin and MKG. Right. Was he was that the same offseason where they had to sign those guys? MKG was the season before. Before okay, there's um, sorry, Dave. There's this weird thing now though, where I feel like in the NBA, where you can you you have to take a swing like 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 the Hornets did and like the Blazers did, where they're completely capped out now, and it's like there's a one percent chance. It's like there's a one percent chance that you that that works out almost, and you have to do it if you're the Hornets. I'm sure the chances are better than that, but but it's immediately apparent that it. That it didn't, and then I think at that point you just kind of have to you have to figure out a way to get back to to zero to starting over or not. And I'm not saying tank, but I'm saying it's very clear to me that this capped out situation is like well, they had the you, no, can, you're, you can you're, see you're that hitting like, on something that they need to find flexibility. But David's also hitting right. on something that's key to understanding where the Hornets are in this in this trade environment and where the entire NBA is in this trade environment and what. The Hornets can do, not what they will do, not what they should do, but what they can do is that every there's so many teams that are in similar situations to yeah. the Hornets, including the team that's most often associated with the Hornets in these trade rumors, the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Cavaliers have contracts that they can't move. Nobody wants Channing Fry. Nobody wants Tristan yeah. Thompson. They're trying to get rid of those contracts too in preparation for whatever LeBron's trying to do, and and they can't. And so the Hornets are going to have tough times moving these players, not just because of the performances of MKG or the performances of Nick Batum, but because teams are not looking to take on more salary right now because everyone had a feast when the cap went up. 
and now you're seeing the cap. It's stung them. Yeah, I mean, it's not constricting necessarily, but it's not going up as significantly uh, in terms of percentage as it did a couple of seasons ago. So there's a legitimate... Yeah. Yeah, it's literally a handful of teams that are not in that position as of right now. Yeah. So it's just tough to find a partner, even more so than it usually is. But, like, the talks are ongoing, Doug. I mean, you've heard them. Right. If you've listened to the podcast with Zach Lowe, Wojnowski mentioned that the Hornets and the Cavs are certainly talking. Well, listen, they have to. I can't. They have talked. When? When? What did they say? What did they say? Right, right, right. I'm not blaming. I'm not blaming Woj for this, but like everyone takes that again and assumes that it was like yesterday. But what is that? I need more context. I need more information. Well, of course, yeah. No, of course they talked. But to your point, it's just really tough to figure it out right now with anyone. And if they do nothing, I just read you the cap situation: 116 million dollars. The cap's probably only going to go up. Uh, only going to go up to 101 million, and the luxury tax apron would be at 119. So there's still, they would still be before they, before they make a draft pick or make any kind of signing or use any kind of exception, they would be three million dollars from paying the tax. So that means somebody's got to go. And you, you saw Rick Bennell write about this. He talked to Bobby Marks, and he posited, you know, essentially that the Hornets would be so uh, in need of space to do anything to, to use an exception that they might have to move a guy like Jeremy Lamb for nothing to get that $7 million of freedom. That, and the point I think I was trying to make ultimately is that <clears throat> most of these teams that are in that situation, like, yeah, the Cavs aren't going to win the championship this year. That would That's highly unlikely. But they are in a position, similar to the Hornets, where if, if they make a trade, it will help them. They can. They are still pursuing something. Like, I don't even yeah. know. We're in this situation where we're locked. We're locked up. We're not in the playoffs. We're in the middle of the limbo. And it's like, I don't even know if you can go either Acon. way. They're, I don't know they're if, in Acon territory. They're locked up. They are in Acon territory. Sure, I'll go with that. Um, I'm not sure if that's a real reference it's or not. Hold it, yeah. Okay. Locked up. Got any T-Pain? No. Yeah. That was a human auto-tune. Uh, but I think it's hard to figure <laughs> out. Like, what, I don't even know if the team knows or if there's even a way. Like, you could shed. There you could try it. to shed. Yeah. You could try to k- trade Kemba and Batum together for zero. Just to get out of their contracts and be bad. And what does that do for you? Exactly. Like, what does that do you for know? you? It get, maybe you get like the sixth and the ninth pick then. And then so you just got two right. okay guys. And you're going to be young and bad forever. I'll say you this. Got a little Cle- bit of money. People who are dreaming about getting the Nets pick from <laughs> Cleveland, it's. I don't think it's going to happen. Now, I could be completely proven wrong, and that's happened several times before. But I just don't see Cleveland in a situation where A, they can't move contracts, B, LeBron James is uh, feuding or or at least quibbling with with ownership. It, it just doesn't right. seem like it's more likely than not that he's going to stay. It seems more likely that that he would entertain leaving. So why would a team like Cleveland that's that's so like they're they could be contending for the next few years or they could be completely at the bottom? Why would they give up that one opportunity? to get yeah. a, a top three player next season. Look, it doesn't I mean, make any sense. That's a tough team to be a fan of right now. I have no sympathy for Cleveland fans. They won a no. championship. They've had LeBron for a long time. But that situation is really bad. I mean. But Woj was talking about it on Lowe's podcast. Like, they're not a team that a trade could necessarily completely fix. It, it might get them to the finals, but it's not going to fix them. I don't think it makes them a championship contender because they've got a lot of factors 
off the court well, as you, well as on the court. What do you so, think about the Hornets? I mean, you haven't given us your thoughts. What do you think we should do? I mean, what can, I, I think David and I are like, I don't know what we can do. I don't even know what they can do. I don't. Should, well, that's the thing. I don't think they can do very much because of, and that's just that's a hard reality. And and they are they are a victim both of circumstance and of the choices that they made to give to give. Again, they were when you take them on their own. The Cody Zeller contract, the Kemba contract, the MKG contract were all good deals, but they they now have a lot of good deals, and we were sort of panicking about this as they started to happen, David. You can go back and listen to the shows. We were going, okay, that was that was one good deal, all two good deals. Oh, oh my God, they are they're capping themselves out, and and then they Second make the mistake month. with the Miles Plumley deal. That was a panic move. That that then turned into twenty two million plus dollars for Dwight Howard next season, I, which is I, not even one of their worst deals at this point. No, that's and in <laughs> fact, Rick Bennell put that as their best deal under <laughs> Joe, and it's like, yeah, I guess technically, because he because uh, he turned a pile of trash was, into well, it again. Yeah, it was a miracle that they that they got out of that. But that's what I mean. It's well, like and it's only one more year. It's next year, and it's it's, it, it's not terrible. But that the fact that that's your best deal is, has got you locked up. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, it's. Yeah, the, Kemba, I did, I'll say this. This yeah. is what I think about the the trade deadline. The worst thing they can do is add long term money. Yes. Um, the the yeah. best. I think honestly, the best scenario is that they they just wait this situation out. Nobody <laughs> wants to hear that. Nobody wants to to to, to think that they. But that's what makes the most sense. The closer yeah. you get to it, that seems like it makes yeah. the most sense. Because I, again, after two seasons from now, it's seventy eight million dollars in contracts because Dwight drops off. We won't be paying Travion Graham anything. There's some player, there's some player options. I think Marvin has a player option. Uh, one other player has a player option as well. Uh, MKG has a player option. So there'll be some interesting dynamics there. But the point is, the Hornets could the Hornets will be in a situation. Well, it's Kemba's season, isn't it? That's when he's up. Yeah, yeah. he could get early extended next season, yeah. and then uh, yeah. So a lot of decisions to be made over the next couple of years. But I think I just think listen, if you if you watch the Hornets last night. And you think that one? I think the Hornets are in a similar situation to the Cavs, just on a different NBA level. They're one Kevin Durant away from being well, no, okay. No, I, no. <laughs> what, what I'm saying is, so the Cavaliers, I don't think are one move away from being championship right. contenders. I don't think the Hornets are one. I don't even think a Lou Williams or a backup point guard could could elevate this team into playoff contention because I think their problems run deeper than than one position or one skill set. I think their problems are oh, God, are one yeah. of belief. I think their problems are one of of uh, detail, and I, I think that that this situation is going to sh- have to shake itself out, possibly with a new regime in the front office that can take a fresh look and a fresh approach uh, to building this team out in the future. Uh, but we'll we'll just we'll just wait and see. Two days away, so again, uh, things could happen. We're going to be here to cover it. If anything happens, check your podcast feed. We'll try to get it. You know, once we sit down with it for an hour or so, we'll try to get it in here for some instant reaction if anything goes down with the Hornets. So make sure you're tuned in to the podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast. Uh, Just search Locked on Hornets and uh, definitely share this with a friend. Follow us on Twitter at Locked on Hornets where we live tweet games and give you analysis on there as well. Check out the Instagram at Locked on Hornets. Thanks so much for listening and watching. Thanks to my panel, David, Steve, I'm Doug, saying go Hornets. Go America, let's swarm.